When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Patriot Speed is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. The Patriot Speed podcast here on the CLNS Media Network. Brian Hines from Pat's Pulpit, joined as always by Alex Barth from 98.5 The Sports Hub. And it was New Year's Day, Christmas morning, whatever you want to call it today. First day of Patriots training camp down at Gillette. Me and Alex were there and... It was, as you'd expect, kind of for a first training camp practice, right? Bill told us yesterday that these early days of the summer are a continuation of of the spring and OTAs pretty much. There's no pads. There's no contact. As they've done throughout Bill Belichick's tenure here, they started in the low red zone. So it it was pretty low-key, but there were still some, some competitive moments and some stuff you could take away. So I guess if you want to start with attendance quick, because that's what you do yeah. on the first day of school. It was <laughs> Yeah, you're good. catching on. You're you're getting how these how these training camp podcasts work. You gotta make some throw some jokes in there, right? So yes. but um pretty much perfect attendance, what we were expecting, right? Other than the two players on the pop, Mike and Winu and Cody Davis, and uh, I'm blanking on the uh Calvin Anderson on the non football yeah. illness list. So yes, just three guys missing, but outside of that, Trent Brown there, Tyquan Thornton, Juju Smith Schuster there, and Jack Jones there. So it was good attendance. Everyone's passing their conditioning test. So a good start at that point for the summer. Yeah. It, I feel like the last couple of years, there's been a list of five or six guys at least that aren't present and, and, and not to knock some of the guys that are on the list right now, but Mike going when who's the one kind of major loss. That's the one potential starter in Matthew Judon was limited. He was out there. We didn't take part in a lot of drills, but it, relatively speaking for where a lot of teams start camp, they're, they're in good spot right now, health wise. And after the spring, after everything that happened, like you sort of alluded to there, I think who was there is a lot more notable than who wasn't, which is always good. We saw Juju Smith-Schuster. We saw Tyquan Thornton. We saw Trent Brown, who I thought looked good. This is not a team that has a ton of margin for injury, especially at posi- the positions of wide receiver and tackle, which is the two they were hurt at in the spring. And it seems like that was not the trip Brown was hurt, but you know what I mean? It seems like that was just a spring thing. They, they seem ready to go now. Yeah. Trent Brown was the big one to me, I think after, because we've talked so much about that tackle position, right? How they really need him there. And the sprain was shaky <laughs> to put it lightly. It was shaky. And, and he, he was here four days ago, as Bill said, and he looked, he came back in, he got right in that left tackle spot, and he managed pretty much a full workload. He looked good. They ended practice with sprints like 5, 15, 50 yards, and he looked like he handled those. No issue. So he looks 
kind of locked in here and we'll get to his comments. He spoke after practice. We'll get to some of the stuff he said later, but, but he looks good. And, and that's a promising sign up for, for that offensive line. He looks good. And he's, he's back on that left side or we'd seen him and that, that seems to be the spot. And that's a, a big box checked on that offensive line in terms of who's playing where still didn't get the full group. We still don't have Calvin Anderson out there, so we can't see them with all the tackles, but, um, Still no Calvin Anderson, still no Mike Onwenu. But yeah, to get to get Trent Brown there, that's a major box checked. Yeah. But what they did have opposite of him, it was Riley Reef at yep. right tackle. He got first crack there. Riley is this and I'm notoriously bad at like this guy looks big, this guy looks small. Like my sense of comparison is generally sort of off, but Riley Reef looks kind of small. Yeah. Not like alarmingly small, but he he doesn't <clears> look like they they have so many tackles on this team. Obviously, Trent Brown, 6'8", 370. Massive. But Connor McDermott, not to Trent Brown's level, but is another guy that's very physically overwhelming. I think he's like 6'7", 320, 330, something like that. Um, you know, even on the interior, Mike Onwen, who's a really big guy. Cole Strange, I know we don't think of him as big, but he's like 6'5", 6'6". I think Riley Reef is like 6'4", 310, something like that. I'm going to look it up. So not to say... You have the roster the there. Roster what do you got right here? He, he, yeah. so he listed them at six, 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 three, ten. So, okay. Like, McDermott, what, do they, what do they have McDermott? Yeah. McDermott, six, eight, three, ten. So same weight, but you know, okay. So maybe, taller. maybe it's just the rest of their tackles being big. And, and it's very possible. That's it. And also like Johnny Lumpkins around too. And he's huge, but yeah, I don't know. I saw Riley Reef today. I was like, eh, he doesn't look as big as I remember, as big as I thought he'd, he'd look. But yeah, comparison probably doesn't help him there. Yeah. Touchdown catcher Johnny Lumpkin today, wasn't it? Didn't he did. He Johnny Lumpkin caught a touchdown pass today. So Lumpkin watches on. I'm surprised we didn't lead off the show with that. We probably I know. <laughs> well, trust me, we'll get there. The, like, I've kind of discovered this. It, it, and let me preface this by saying I still absolutely love training camp. I was super psyched to get down there today. I got there like an hour and a half early as, you know, great time. But it doesn't hit. I've covered enough of these now that it doesn't hit exactly the same way. And part of me kind of hates the beginning of camp now because it, we'll get into this. It's all over exaggeration. Oh, yeah. You're dealing with a very limited sample size in practices that are very low intensity. And it's all people have to make their observations off of. And they just go full in with that where I'm just like, when we get to the end of these days leading up, to the first padded practice. Yeah, we're going to do a lot of Johnny Lumpkin talk because it's just going to be, there's only so many times. And if you want to play a, a, a game along at home, I wouldn't do it as a drinking game because you're going to get yourself in trouble. Every time I say something along the lines of, well, we'll see what it looked like, what, what it looks like when the pads come on, or, well, it wasn't a padded practice. Uh, you can only say that too many times before it becomes the whole show. So no, we'll have, we, we are going to have plenty of time to get uh, into Johnny Lumpkin, but yes, he did catch a touchdown pass yeah. today. Yeah, I was talking to a, a deuce, deuce from pats.com over yeah. there, and we were like, oh, it was so fun getting here this morning. But then we we're like, all right, let's put the pads on. Let's get this going, right? Like it just So funny enough, too, I I, I don't even mean this as a bad thing. I, I honestly think it might be a good thing after the way last year went. That might have been the most uneventful training camp practice I've ever covered in terms of they went out, they did their business, and they, they talked to us and they were done. Like that was it. There was no drama. There was no, this guy looked amazing. This guy looked horrible. They just ran a practice, which again, compared to last year, feels kind of good. You hope somebody pops eventually and somebody will. We've still got a long way to go on this thing, but 
it it really was just sort of a a, a cookie cutter practice today. Yeah. A lot of extra conditioning stuff it felt like too that they usually yeah won't get into in camp right like pulling the sleds and stuff like that the sprints I don't think we've seen like ending with sprints a lot in training camp so some extra conditioning stuff in the heat always always good but they did there were some competitive seven on seven eleven on eleven in that low red zone which they worked in exclusively today that low and and red zone area which is going to favor the defense, right? There's no threat of a run game. It's pretty jammed tight in there. So the defense had the upper hand, and they kind of took advantage of it today. I think there was like seven pass breakups. Kyle Duggar had a really nice interception on Mac Jones's first pass in seven-on-seven. Seven. He was looking for Gasicki kind of right up the seam, and, and Duggar just kind of rode his hip right up and, and picked it off. So it was a it was a good start from the defense. Sean Wade had a few pass breakups. Jelani Tavai, Mac Wilson got his hand on one. Isaiah Bolden had a really nice pass breakup in the back corner. So active, active hands from the defense today in that red zone area. Yeah, certainly. And I think, you know, we, we a lot of, there's been a lot of talk about the quarterback numbers, and this is where we can get into maybe some of that. Yep. Uh, the, the rough day for the quarterbacks. And I, I'm not going to lie and tell you it wasn't rough. It was rough. It was not a good day. Mac Jones was 5 of 10 with the interception, also took a sack. Bailey Zappi, 4 of 11, multiple passes batted down, 0 for 4 and 11s. Trace McSorley was 3 of 10. They are working in low red zone with zero threat of the run. There's not a ton of room to throw. I'm not going to hit the alarm bells for the season over one day. If, if it looks like this all week, uh, yeah, we start having another conversation. We start talking about maybe Matt Patricia wasn't the, the as much of an issue last year as we thought he was, but... I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but no, the the defense, very active hands. Very active hands on defense. Isaiah Bolden had a nice pass breakup as well to add to the group uh, you put in. That honestly might have been the best all-around play of the day. It was with Trace McSorley, but it was a, a back corner, back shoulder fade. I thought Kayshawn Booty did yeah. a great job of great like job. getting himself in position to make the catch. Got two hands on the ball and... Isaiah Bolden just made a better play to knock the ball out. Like Kayshawn Booty did everything right. Isaiah Bolden was just better on that one specific snap. So very active, aggressive defense flying around, had a couple sacks. There was Jabril Peppers had a, in a game with a clean clock, Mac Jones on a, on a safety blitz on one of them. So, you know, the defense is kind of what you expect from the defense. They're flying around They're high energy. Uh, they're, they're taking it to the offense. They're not playing passively. They're playing aggressively. And, now the question is like, so last year, I remember the first day, the offense wasn't great. It got worse from there, but the offense wasn't great the first day. And I remember saying, all right, people are like, were you worried? And I said, not really. Cause this is kind of how camp goes. You know, the defense wins a day and then the onus is on the offense to come back and win the next day. And it becomes a back and forth. You want everybody pushing everybody. I still believe that obviously that never happened last year. It was just defense, defense, defense. The offense couldn't do anything. So here we are again. I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt. Can the offense come back tomorrow? And I'm not saying that they have to totally light it up, but can they push back and be like, nope, nope, this isn't last year. We're still here. We're 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 gonna come out here and make plays as well. Yeah. They did have a few good moments, right? It wasn't like all bad. I thought Oh yeah, no, it it, it wasn't. I, I shouldn't be comparing it to last year because I so one like <laughs> Yeah. I I one th but anytime you say there's one bad play made, like, like let's let's be honest here for a second, Brian. Let's be honest. I you, I wasn't sitting near you, but I'm I'm betting we had the exact same conversation. First play of any team drill of the summer, 
Mac Jones throws a pick. And I turn to the guy next to me. I'm sure you turn to the guy next to you. And I, I just talked to Bob Sosi on the Sports of Patriots podcast, which is up now on 98.sports.com. Bob was telling me he turned to somebody and said, well, here we go again, because it was a very easy joke to make. Yep. But Mac Jones, so if we go back to Mac Jones' rookie year for a second, the, the thing with Mac Jones, his rookie year, throughout camp, like it got a little bit better towards the end, but this was a pretty pretty regular constant, was Mac Jones, his rookie year, was really good in camp until he made his first mistake. And then he would sort of teeter. And you could tell, like, it weighed on him. He was a perfectionist, and he didn't know how to move on to the next snap. Last year, it was just all bad. Like, you didn't really get to see anything. So for him to make that mistake early and then come back, and I I shouldn't call it a mistake. Like, Duggar made it. It wasn't his best throw, but Kyle Duggar made a good play on the ball as well. But to have that pass picked off, come back and I thought end practice with a couple of nice throws. There was one play he made that I forget if it was to Henry Gasicki, it was to one of the tight ends. He just, just fired a ball into a tight window, total confidence throw. There's another play he made where there's a pass rush and he was able to sidestep it and get the ball to Henry again in the back of the end zone for him to throw that pick early and then bounce back and start making some throws. That's a good sign. That's the guy that's growing. That's the guy that's more mature. That's the guy that can handle adversity better. And I think those are all things that we want to see from Mac Jones. So not to excuse away his day. It could have been better. Needs to be better. I think he will be better. There is a lot to work on. This isn't to say, hey, you know, Leslie Nielsen in, in Naked Gun, nothing to see here with the fireworks factor exploding behind him. It's not to say that, but it, it, it wasn't what it was last year. Like he was, all right, he made a mistake. Mistakes happen. Moved on made some better plays. Like I, I thought overall, even with the pick, he had a solid day. It's easy to lump the quarterbacks together as a bad day because Bailey Zappi and Treesman shortly did have bad days and max day on paper is okay at best, but I liked what I saw from him. Zappi, not as much. Try to Patrick Mahomes sidearm throw at one point. I don't know why he did that again. Oh, for an 11s. And uh, I don't know how much trace McSorley I'm going to be able to do where it was rough. It was a yeah. rough day for Trace McSorley. Killed a couple worms and then had the back, the, the throw off the back foot where he put it like into the first row of the stands. But uh, I, I thought Mac Jones was fine. If, if that's his best day of camp, there's a problem. If that's yeah. his worst day of camp, we can start talking about winning the division. I think it's probably going to be somewhere in the middle, but it, it, it was, he was fine. He was fine. Yep. That's the confidence you want to see, right? Probably a lot of yeah. it comes with Bill O'Brien and, uh, and, we mentioned a lot in the spring, too. He seemed to have more of that control at the line of scrimmage, right? Barking out signals, hand signals. And yeah, he called it the toolbox in that sprint. And I think that could go a long way, too. Having those answers, especially when he's facing a live pass rush, right? You know, maybe he can call out something and stop that Jabril Peppers blitz and just help that confidence in total. So I think that's a definitely a good start there. And hopefully he you know, keeps building on that, like you mentioned. Yeah, and I, I think a couple of things. That, again, you saw him making those calls today, and, and that's encouraging. The other thing is he, after practice, he, he spoke to me today, and he called Bill O'Brien a guy you can lean on. And I thought, I actually got to be down, like, right kind of on the sideline while Bill O'Brien was coaching the offense at one point. And there's a energy there that just, he's in charge. He's in charge in a very comfortable way. Guys, when he speaks, players listen. You can tell that they don't, 
have a problem going to him. They trust him for advice, for coaching points. You know, how should I do this? How should I do that? Things like that. So I think, yeah, no, having a coach he can trust probably does make Mac Jones more confident. And it just probably is going to help his mental health as well. Whereas last year you saw some of those explosions. Well, why is he blown up? Cause he's nobody he can go to. I think this, and he still might do it passionately. We know, right. They call him, what is it? The, the teapot, Bill yeah. O'Brien. I'm not saying yeah. you won't see the two of them yelling at each other on the sideline, but I, I do think that that element of trust in the coach is, is big. And yeah. he also, for the right, he called Evan Rothstein and Bill Belichick as well, guys you can lean on. So you see him kind of referencing the coaching <clears throat> staff that way. I think that's important. And that's kind of trickling down through the whole offense. It kind of feels like because yeah, and it's it, it's gonna good point. Trent Brown was you know he was talking about Adrian Clem and, and Bill O'Brien, and someone even mentioned like, do you know Bill O'Brien's nickname is the Teapot? And he's like, yeah, I've heard that. And but that's what we need, right? We need that energy. We need you know Adrian Clem, fiery guy. It's David Andrews called him yesterday. Trent Brown agreed with that and. He's like, there's there's energy back in the building, and, and we needed that. It was necessary. So just better vibes on that side of the ball and the confidence, and it should just all rise from there, and hopefully they can keep building on that and make it into more productive offense this season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the only other – another pass catcher caught my eye. Ty Montgomery had a pretty good day. Yeah. Um, he just makes plays on the training camp fields. It's just that's just what he does. And he had, I think, four touchdowns. And but again, you know, it's that low red zone work. So almost any completion is gonna be a touchdown. But it was a nice like flat pick route, almost like he scored on last year against Miami for a score. And then he had another one with Zappy under center where he went up over Marte Mapu and hauled in a another one. So Another active role, and he's officially listed as a wide receiver now too, so he's only really practiced with wide receivers. So it just looks like he's going to keep having a role here if he can stay healthy. He, he practiced with the wide receivers positionally. He did line up in the backfield a little bit. Yeah. One of those touchdown passes, he he came yeah. out of the backfield. He, I, I'm going to get my hopes up again. I, he, he was the most productive player on the field today. He was the most targeted. He, he had the most catches. He had the most touchdowns, all of it. I, I don't think it's an issue of whether or not he can play. You said he makes plays on the training camp field. He makes plays on the field, period, when he's out there. The one game in Miami last year, he had a touchdown. But and then he got hurt. And I'll, I'll get my hopes up because he can play and it helped their offense. But what's tough here is he's the kind of player that you have not build the offense around him in the sense like we're going to do everything based off Ty Montgomery, but a lot of the things you're going to have him do are built for him. I don't know that there's another guy. Maybe it's Jalen Hurd if he makes the team, like if he's on the practice squad, but I don't, he doesn't have the, I don't know that he has the the, the quickness. Like I'll say this about Jalen Hurd. He's big. He is big. Seeing him walk around. He's also very stiff. Mm. He doesn't, doesn't have a lot of quickness. Whereas Tom Montgomery has a ton of quickness. So I don't know that like, if you lose Tom Montgomery, you lose all that stuff that you put in the offense with him. And so how much do you put in with him? Like, like how much, how many packages are going to heavily feature him versus how much of it is going to be him just running generic stuff that maybe doesn't maximize his skill set because, well, you you don't want to have to throw out a quarter of your offense if he gets hurt early on. That's the question with me at this point. He can play. I don't doubt he can play. He can play. 
how much can you rely on him is is the big thing with him at this point. And I'll just add too, because I had in my notes the the two pass catchers that stood out. Look, they were all in low red zone. So I don't know the ball ever traveled more than ten yards in the air. They weren't throwing the ball down the field or anything like that. We re- Juju caught a touchdown, but we really didn't see much from the receivers today. Time on Cumber and the other guy that was very involved that I thought had a good day was Hunter Henry. Made a nice catch in the back of the end zone, a hands catch, all that. He looks good. Uh, but yeah, back to your point on Montgomery. I just, I just, he's ready. He can contribute. But how much, how much trust are you going to put in him to be able to contribute on a regular basis over the course of five months? Yeah, which might have kind of been the problem last year, right? Like he went out and seemed like he was really up for that third down back role, and then. He gets hurt week one, and they really didn't have anyone to fill that role besides Ramondre Stevenson. And then, you know, we we all know how that went when he got worn down. But, yeah, he can play. And Henry, as you mentioned, had a really good day. He beat Christian Gonzalez on, on the on one touchdown, uh, shook him off at the top of the route, and then kind of had a catch on a good ball from Mac. So a lot of 12 personnel again. Henry, Mike Kosicki, those guys, they look like they're going to be big parts of this offense. And favorite targets of Mac Jones pretty much throughout the year, especially in that red zone area with their size and their ability down there. Yeah. As long as they're healthy. Yep. That's the caveat with those guys too. So yeah, we'll see there, but um, mentioned Christian Gonzalez quickly there. He, he was right in the mix as, as did as he was in the spring. He got beat once there, but really didn't hear from him the rest of the day and kind of what you want out of your cornerbacks. Right. And right. He had a few nice plays where crossing routes, he passed them off. I think Miles Bryant had a nice pickup on one. So pretty good day from Gonzalez, I'd say. And then looked like John Jones and Miles Bryant were manning the other two corner slots for now. Jack Jones kind of worked in, but that seems where they went in that cornerback rotation to start. Yeah, more or less. I, I would agree with that. We'll see. Maybe Jack, you know, he, he he's had a rough month. He may, he probably wasn't doing too much in the gym or, or in the field. He may need to play some catch up here. Yeah. And they might just be, I don't, do you think anything has to do with if they're embracing for a suspension here, they maybe just, let's see what we have outside of that or cause he was running with the starters at the end of the spring there. So do you think that could play a, a hand in any of this? Yeah. Uh, I think that could, that could certainly be possible as well. Um, it's 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 tough to tell. It's it's such a unique situation. I agree. Um, other than that, I mean, it was nice just to see the offense kind of have some juice, some energy, right? Because yeah, like they came out with some energy at the start of last year, but then you know it, it was pretty pretty bad at the end of camp. But Juju Smith Schuster, Kendrick Bourne, really getting the crowd going. Hunter Henry after that touchdown big spike celebration, getting everyone going. So just good to see them come out with that confidence, that energy, that juice. So good, good building block to build off that. Yeah. I'll give you a couple, couple other small notes. I, I just had today. Um, Marte Mapu still in the red Jersey. So now yep. you know, we've hyped up a lot. What's he going to look like in the full contact practices? Is he going to be able to do contact in the full contact practices, but his role still seems very multiple lined up at corner at one point today among many other responsibilities. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, Malik Cunningham listed on the roster as a quarterback. Everything else suggests he's going to be a wide receiver, white Jersey worked exclusively with the receivers, et cetera. And this is actually a big one. I think this is one that, that, you know, a lot of people had asked about Joe judge 
And when uh, the coaching staff came out, we talked about this on uh, yesterday. You know, why is Joe Judge listed with the defense? What's he going to be doing, et cetera, et cetera. I only worked with special teams today. Only worked with the special teams. Like I said yesterday, I think him being put with the defense was just, they did it that way because they did it that way. There was no rhyme or reason to it. And then that begs the question for what is his role compared to Cam Accord, who's still the special teams coordinator. It, it wasn't entirely this way. Cause, cause they did uh, a cord worked with the coverage guys as well. But I thought for the most part, and maybe this was a one day thing, like this is something we're going to have to watch the rest of camp. It was Joe judge working with like the coverage specialists. So Slater and Brandon schooler and Jordan Healy, right. in that group. And then you had cam accord with Joe Houston, who's the assistant special teams coach working with the kickers. And they do have a lot of bodies there this year. They have two kickers, two punters, two long snappers. And they've brought in, obviously, a lot of special teams coverage players as well. You know, they added Chris Board. I'm sure that's mainly where Diego Fago is going to be for most of camp. He was most of today. So maybe that's the, the, the difference. And that would suggest that Joe Judge is going to take on much more of a game planning role which I think is where Cam Accord came up short. I think Cam Accord's actually a really good coach. Yep. It's the coordinator part. It's the game plan part where he falls short. But that to go back to the main point, though, you don't have to worry about Joe Judge coaching defense. Joe Judge is not going to be coaching defense. It, it, him being put there on the website means nothing. nothing. Other than maybe they just don't want it to look like Cam Accord got demoted. That might be a bigger thing, too, there. But, yeah, Joe Judge is special that's where kind of i was hoping on like he does the coordination and cam Acord is still there to coach because he he is a good coach i love you know when we get to talk on he is and everything he, he's really good to listen to so that's that looks like where that was going that was the only other note i had that to bring up i don't know if you had thoughts there for for the practice today um i think that was pretty much it uh, for more, you know, check out my notebook, 985thesportshub.com. It'll all be over there. But, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. All right. Should we do the ad quick? Talk about some of the after-practice quotes? Yeah, let's hear uh, Let's hear real quick from our and, – and football's right around the corner. Almost time to start betting on football, so let's hear from FanDuel. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, so with for post practice, let's let's start with Mac. I want to do macro last because that's kind of a more big picture thing. It's not yep. necessarily about about camp. Mac spoke after practice. Talked about the big one going around is his relationship with Coach Belichick, right? And yeah, I think the quote was, "I think we're no, I think we're good, right?" Like his relationship, we're good. Talked about having a fresh start and. I think when you read the quote, I think it doesn't sound great, right? But when you listen to him say it, he starts basically every sentence with, I think. He literally said, I think we're good. I think that we've all talked about is having a fresh start. I think there's a lot of learning experiences from last year that we've talked about. 
that's just kind of how he talks. Later in the press, I think Matt Slater is a great teammate. So I didn't put so much on that, but it does sound like they might have had a him and Bill might have had a conversation here, like last year's in the past. Let's have a fresh start and, and kind of start new with Bill O'Brien here leading the offense. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't look that much into him saying. I yep. think it's it's like me when I say right at the end of a point. It's just kind of a vocal crutch, and we all have them. They're they're not fun to listen to. But I I think Max in a really good spot right now mentally. I think he is, and we sort of got an idea of that in the spring, and it's carried over. But I, I he doesn't have the weight of the world on his shoulders. And I think last year there was just this feeling that as the quarter, if, whether he was right or wrong. I think he felt that as the quarterback, it was his job to kind of lead the team out of that mess. And he was never going to do that. I don't think any quarterback would have done that. Even I don't even know if Brady could have made that thing work. So now that it's kind of all in place around him and he can just kind of focus on Mac Jones, I, I, I think that's what he likes to do. I think he likes to put the work in on himself. I think he likes to, to improve his game and, and everybody else improving around him and he'll make that work. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think he's in a good spot. And I think today's press conference kind of showed that. Yep. And he kind of alluded to that. He said like the big word for this training camp is trust, right? Like he's got guys he can trust around him now. It's not like last year. You mentioned earlier, he's got Bill O'Brien that he can lean on. So he's got guys he can trust and it it just looks like he's in a better mental. You hope that now transitions to results on the field. So he, yeah, right. all good stuff from Mac. Um, other players, Trent Brown, also in a really good spot. We talked about him a little earlier. He said he followed the same offseason program as last year, which I feel like people kind of forget. He started all 17 games last year for this team. And so he said the same program as last year, play all season again. Sounded really excited to play under Adrian Clem. Bill O'Brien said that energy juice is back. He alluded to Clem being a former player and having a really good perspective on that also Trent Brown I think I thought he was a good interview a good spot today and that's exciting at that tackle spot Trent Brown has talked about how important it was for him to play under Dante Skarnack he talks about that a lot he's not a guy that speaks a lot his answers are generally very short very generic yeah. if you ask him about Dante Skarnack he'll talk because I think that's a guy he truly respects that truly means a lot to him I know they've stayed in touch etc I don't know what his relationship with Matt Patricia was. It's not to say it's bad, but a lot of guys have said that, you know, who played for Skarnecchia have mentioned that playing for Clem, who played for Skarnecchia, that playing for Clem, there's a lot of elements to Clem as a coach that they can tell came from Dante. So I think for Trent Brown to have a guy who's going to emulate Dante Skarnecchia, I think that's big. I think that's big for him because I think that that's, the environment, I think that that's that's the philosophy that he thrives under, and to get back in that philosophy is is obviously going to help him. Yep, I agree. Um, Duggar, he spoke briefly. Uh, they asked him about his, you know, contract year. He yeah, just said, said all the right things. I'd love to play ball here, but you know, it's up to his agent. That's he's just focused on this year. Good start today, obviously with the interception. So he just said all the right things there. Those were kind of the three I listened to. I don't know. Did you get to? I know Barmore spoke. I didn't. I that, didn't get to Barmore. Yeah, Grow spoke for a while, so I was. I was in on that. Yeah, you wanted. What were your? What was your? Well, he had a lot of good things to say, but what was kind of your first big takeaway from Grow? So the big takeaway, and I, I wrote about this pretty extensively on ninety eight five thesportshub dot com. Uh, 
we have spent a lot of time, we be not just on the show, we being like Patriots fans, Patriots followers, have spent a lot of time talking about how the Patriots view the wide receiver position compared to the rest of the league. And it's been, is, is this why they're not bringing guys in? Is it because they don't value the position? They value the position differently. And we've talked about, you know, I've talked about that, that coverage dictating wide receiver. And it, you've all heard my spiel on that in Tuesday morning meetings and who's going to be the guy that you can't come off the double when somebody else goes off. And that's been my opinion of it. And I've always kind of hedged that by saying, that's how I feel. I don't know how they feel. So we had the, the, the number two personnel person from the Patriots, Matt Groves, Bill Belichick's number one. He's the GM. This guy answers to only Belichick when it comes to the personnel matters of the team. He was asked today outright, how do you define a number one wide receiver? And he said, we typically, in scouting, we typically define a number one receiver who's a three-down guy. If that player's got inside-outside, outside-inside versatility, that's great. But it's a player who can go out there, and it's typically an X, who we think of as a guy who can go out there and get open on his own. And then the hallmarks that we have here, get open, catch the ball, gain yards after the catch. The more they can do size-wise to be involved in the run game, that's important as well. That's what I've been saying that that's the guy they need. Me and Matt Groh have the same definition of a number one wide receiver. So that's fun. That begs the follow-up question, which was asked, do the Patriots have a guy that they believe is a number one wide receiver? Groh, I think we've got a great group. I know wide receivers, coaches, Troy Brown and Ross Douglas are working hard with those guys. And I'm really excited about what they're going to be able to do with those guys and working with the quarterbacks. It's all about coming together and it's not having this position or that position by definition. There's a sign around here that's been said, hanging for a long time. We're not collecting talent. We're trying to build a team. However you want to define it, we've got to put the best team together that we think that's going to marry with what Coach O'Brien, Coach Belichick want for our offensive philosophy. That's a really long way of saying no. <laughs> no, we don't have that number one guy. And he was asked about uh, DeAndre Hopkins as well. And I thought he kind of passed the buck on that. I think Matt Groh wishes they had more receiver. I do. I, I think Matt, and whether that's from Bill, whether that's from Robert, whether that's from Bill O'Brien, like there's not a lot of other guys who could be pushing back on that, if that makes sense. But that sounded from Matt Groh like he knows what a number one receiver is and he wants one. Yep. I got that kind of feel from him even throughout the draft process, right? Like he seems one of these like guys that knows the receiver position is really important to the game today, but they they just haven't been able to get one. And, you know, if it was alluding during the Hopkins question, but he kind of said like the cap is crap, right? Like he said the dark secret you're not supposed to say. Right. Like any, any team could go out and make a move and maneuver the cap right now to get a guy, but – they just still haven't done that. So I get that same vibe from Grow that he's looking for one of the bridge dictator guys, but they haven't got one. So that does maybe kind of seem like a bill thing to push back on that and not go get one of those. I, the one other thing he said I thought was interesting, and I, I, if you had any other takeaways, feel free to jump in here. But the one other thing he said that I thought was interesting, he was asked about contract extensions. And I don't have this exact quote in front of me, but it was something along the lines of, first of all, he said, he said they're always discussing it. They're always open to it. So I, I don't want, 
the quote itself out of context, I want to make sure I set this up right because the quote itself makes it sound like he's not going to sign a contract extension with the player, but we know he will. He just signed two. Um, the quote was something along the lines of basically it's tricky to do a contract extension because there's still a whole year ahead and you don't know what's going to happen and the player doesn't know what's going to happen. And the team might see might want to see more from the player before they commit. The player might not want to commit because they think that they're going to be exponentially better. And I mean, the first player that comes to mind is Kyle Duggar. And we've talked about a lot. Does Kyle Duggar take that leap this year to that elite player status? And is that, you know, if they're trying to get an extension done with him, I would understand why Kyle Duggar would be hesitant to get an extension done. And I, th I think Roe kind of, I don't think we necessarily learned anything from that. I thought just Roe outlined it really well. Yep. I got the quote. He said, Do you? Okay, trying, cool. trying to get contracts done right now. You don't have all the information. The player has got another season where you potentially don't know if his production is going to be high or low. There are a lot of factors that go into it. Health, durability, role in the team, leadership. So with a whole nother season to go, it makes it tricky trying to gauge the market at these times. But when we think we can do that, and obviously the player, his representatives think that we can do that, that is when it's smart to get something done. So so again, I, I think you just, Owen Weiner's his own thing. I, I think he would be the easiest extension to get done, but I also just don't think he's a player they're going to extend. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yeah, we, we can bring Uche into this, too, though. I, I, I think for different reasons, those two players, the market is very hard to pin down for Duggar. He's on that borderline elite status. He could be a guy that potentially resets the market. I don't know who the other safeties are hitting free agency next year, but he could be a guy that if he has the season, some people think he's going to have could reset the market as a free agent so that you really don't have a, a parallel to use. And then for Uche, we've talked a lot about this. It's just the inconsistency. Yep. How do you gauge the market of a guy that, 11 of his 13 career sacks happened in the, in one half of one season in a three-year career. So I, I just thought I, it doesn't mean the extensions aren't going to get done. It hardly means that, but I don't, you know, hearing that I'm like, all right, they still got work to do if they're trying to get these things done. If they want to get these things done, they, I, I don't think it's close with either, either Duggar or Uche. If, if that's kind of the way Matt Gross sees it. Yeah. They, yeah, they could get done. We've seen it in the past, like two years ago is Godshaw and then Jake Bailey, Jake Bailey. That was a good extension. Got those extensions in training camp. So they can get done. The only other thing from grow. I mean, he was asked about Dalvin cook. He said, it's kind of like Deandre Hopkins, right? It's a unique situation that a player of Dalvin cooks talent is available right now. And he said they saw him in Minnesota firsthand. They know his abilities, but didn't obviously it didn't say if they're going to go out and show like significant interest and so, sign or anything, but reading between the lines, I think he did say that they've talked to him because yeah. he kept comparing him to Hopkins, which if they're comparing, if he's comparing the situation to the Hopkins situation, they talked to Hopkins. Uh, so I, I believe too, just outside of that, I believe they've been in contact with him. I don't know to what extent it might've just been a, there's a million bucks here if you want it. Like, I don't, that's it, a bit extreme, but you get the point. Like, I don't know. 
I don't think that they're the most aggressive team financially when it comes to Cook, but I do think they've been involved. I still don't totally see it. I still don't see how he makes that much of a difference, especially when you talk about what Ramondre Stevenson can do. I still think adding a guy, a a tier down like Leonard Fournette or or Ezekiel Elliott, even if you go a tier further than that, a guy like Benny Snell, Kenyon Drake, I still think you more or less are going to get the same impact and it's going to cost you less, which I know at this point doesn't really matter, but there's also Dalvin Cook's not coming here to play 15 snaps a game. Dalvin Cook's coming here to reset his contract and get paid next year. And are you going to put him over uh, Ramondre Stevenson? Which I don't think would be right because I think they're comparable players. I think Ramondre was a better player last year. It's just, I, I don't, if if Cook wants to come here for three million bucks and sure. be the spellback, that would be great. You could not find a better spellback. I just don't understand why Dalvin Cook wants to do that, and I'm not sure it's worth the Patriots changing their entire plan at running back to add Dalvin Cook for a year. Yep, I'd agree with that. It doesn't make. He wants to reset, like get a right. one new deal get a good chunk of money still and then go like try to cash in next year, even yeah. though who knows what the running back market will look like next Again, year. But. I'm not saying it would be a bad move. Again, yeah. I'm sure the Patriots would take cook as their spell. Like I don't understand why Dalvin cook's coming here yeah. unless they pay him the most money. And unlike the hot, like they needed to pay Hawkins the most money because they needed a receiver. They don't need Dalvin cook. They don't need to pay him the most. If, if honestly, if they go to the table for Dalvin Cook after they didn't for DeAndre Hopkins, I'm going to be kind of annoyed. So this is this is the guy you'll push all the chips in for? The running back? And look, I, I stand with the running back union, but like, come on. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's I, you have, Ramondre's a really, really good running back. I don't want to take him off the feet. Like, again, I want him playing less snaps to a point. I don't want him becoming the number two running back, which I think happens if you sign Dalvin Cook, because for what you're going to have to pay him, you're going to have to play them and you can't put both of those guys on the field at the same time. It's just the reality of it. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, yeah, you take him. He's a great player, but to what extent, what money it, it, it'll be interesting how that shakes out, but that's really all my gross stuff. I think unless you had anything else to add on to that, that caught your eye or from any other player. Um, I think that's just about it. That's about it. All right, so we could wrap it up there unless you had any final thoughts on practice or anything else. Uh, I'm ready for tomorrow. I want to mm-hmm. see the uh, I want to see the bounce back day from the offense. That's pretty much what I'm looking for. Yep. I expect a similar day tomorrow, probably still a lot of red zone work and again no pads. They won't be in pads for a few days here. So it'll be another low key day, but there will Still hopefully be some stuff to take care of and we'll be back and having a show at some point. So make sure you are subscribed to the channel and turn on your Patriots press pass notifications. So you do know when we go live until then you can go follow Alex on Twitter at real Alex Barth, go read all of his training camp stuff over at 985thesportshub.com. You can follow me on Twitter at I am Brian Hines and go read all my training camp work over at patspulpit.com. And thank you all for tuning in. 